one we haven't done in a while, so uh, it's a lot of fun. Join with us. Here we go. One, two, one, two. for our call to worship this morning, which is from Psalm 51, verses 7 through 12. Purge me with hyssop, and I shall be clean. Wash me, and I shall be whiter than snow. Let me hear joy and gladness. Let the bones that you have broken rejoice. Hide your face from my sins, and blot out all my iniquities. Create in me a clean heart, O God, and renew a right spirit within me. Cast me not away from your presence, and take not your Holy Spirit from me. Restore to me the joy of your salvation, and uphold me with a willing spirit. One, two, three, four, five, six. Mm-hmm. 
Will you all pray with me? Heavenly Father, Lord, we just thank you for a glorious day that you've given us to come together and, and worship you, Lord. And like the song says, uh, there truly is a voice of sovereign grace in those sacred words that we sing and that we study today, Lord. So we just invite you to be with us now. Just open our hearts and our minds to be able to see you moving in and through the words that we sing and study today. We also want to take a moment of just silent prayer to leave any of the distractions, any of the unconfessed sins, any of the, any of the unresolved issues that are holding us back today. We want to take those and leave those at the foot of the cross, knowing that you will resolve those issues and help us focus on you today. So again, Lord, we just want to take this moment to thank you for all the many blessings that you pour out upon us. Um, just allow us to turn our attention towards you, Lord. Just make your presence known. Make your glory shine as we worship you today, Lord. All these things we pray in your son's holy and precious name. Amen.
I'm going to read this morning from the book of Romans. Uh, This is chapter 12, uh, 1 through 2. And I think these verses kind of speak to why we're here and, and what we're doing today. So it reads like this. I appeal to you, therefore, brothers, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your spiritual worship. Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind, that by testing you may discern what is the will of God, what is good and acceptable and perfect. you pray with me? Father God, thank you for your son, Jesus Christ, for his life, his death, and his resurrection. Father God, that we ask that you be with us this morning, that you speak through Tom. Father God, give us your, your grace, your mercy, your love. Open our eyes, our ears, and our heart, and may we receive that love from you so that we may in turn be the hands and feet to a lost and hurting world, Father God. And we need you more than ever. Father, we love you and thank you for loving us in Christ's name.
The hand, the hand good? Check test. Good morning. Welcome to Hope. I'm Pastor Tom. It's good to have you with us. We worship God here together today. If you are visiting with us, we encourage you to fill out this piece of paper in your bulletin. And we will follow up with you accordingly. Also, if you have any prayer requests, we encourage you to communicate those with us, either through the paper in your bulletin or online by email. You go to our website and find a way to email us there. And please let us know how we can be praying for you. Several things going on around here you ought to know about. First of all, today is our, our final collection day for Operation Christmas Child. How did we do, Rose? How are we doing so far? We're working, we've got about 28 shoe boxes, we think. What's that? You brought five? Okay, five more? Excellent. So we may be in the 30s, or were you counting those five? Okay, all right. So Reagan Cheer makes up almost half of the Hope Church Operation Christmas Child shoe, but hey, we don't care how we get them. We're just glad we're part of this. So thank you to all of you who participated in that. Uh, we also have a, a thing we do annually for the families we serve through Blueprint Ministries in the summer with our youth, and you can give towards that. There's a sign-up online, and we, will, we emailed it out. We'll email it out again and just encourage you to look over that list and look at one of the items that you could provide for one of our Blueprint families these are families that live at one and a half times the poverty level or lower here in San Antonio. And we serve them every summer. Uh, we serve one or more of those families through our youth group work teams in partnership with Blueprint Ministries. It's a great organization. And you can uh, join with us in blessing those families this Christmas season. Um, one of the things we are going to need help with this year in, in the past, we just take one person takes all the gifts down to Blueprint, and they sort them all out, and then we distribute them. They're trying to eliminate that gathering of people, so we're going to take gifts directly to the homeowners that we are blessing. So we need some drivers to sign up on our Sign Up Genius for that day in December where we're going to take the gifts from here 
down to each of those individual families. And so if, if you can look at that sign-up genius next time it comes your way and see if you might be available on that day to drive some gifts down to some of our Blueprint families, that would be most helpful. We have Bible study every Tuesday night at 7 on Zoom, same Zoom channel. And then every Wednesday night right now, uh, well, those are on break this week, right? We're not going to meet this week for Bible study or for our book discussion group, but uh, we'll regroup the following week. That's on Wednesday night at 7. We're currently reading through together uh, the 19th century Victorian-era novel, Uncle Tom's Cabin by Harriet Beecher Stowe, and uh, it's been it's been good. It's actually really well written, and um, I've been enjoying the novel just on in its own right. But it's also allowed us to talk about uh, current events and situations in our world that are still relevant to those issues today. And so it's been it's been fruitful and good. Uh, let's see, am I forgetting anything? Can I have the Franco family come forward, please? Or what's left of the Franco family? And Laura, y'all can socially distance from your, from your, you know, potentially contagious pastor over there. Come on, Frank. Get up here. If you stand far enough over close to the drum set, Frank, they won't be able to see you. Come this way a little bit. All right, the Francos and Frank's left leg and left hand. There you are. So, Laura, your husband is already in Germany serving our country, and you have been delayed in being able to join him uh, because of uh, country closures and passport issues and all kinds of little things that have been standing in the way, and that all got cleared for you this week, and you're headed out Tuesday, I believe, for Europe, for Germany, to be with your husband for the next few months while he can finishes up an assignment there. Glad you can all be together, and hopefully that'll be uh, a fruitful time for you and your family. We would like to pray with you or for you before you uh, take off, literally, and uh, so let's pray for the Franco family. Dear God, we lift up Ralph to you as he's already uh, in place and serving our country in Germany. We just pray your blessing over him and the endeavors that you have uh, sent him there to undertake. And we just pray for his family as they transition to life in another country. We just pray your blessing over them. We ask for safe travels and for a smooth transition, for your blessing to go with them and before them. And we just pray again that you would keep them healthy on the way and while they're there and bring them back to us uh, safely in the spring. And we just thank you for uh, this wonderful family and the part they play uh, in your body of Christ here at Hope Church. And we just pray your blessing over them in the name of Jesus. Amen. All right. Thank you. Stay safe. Have fun. Learn a little German. You're, you're not little. You're German, but you're not little. Right. All right. So we're going to try it again? Okay. I'm going to have to put this mic down to try to get this mic working again. Hold on a sec.
Testing one, two, three. Still nothing. Whoop, whoop, we got something. Something's better than nothing. All right, we'll take it. Thank you to my incredible sound team for figuring that out. I don't know how you do it, but I'm glad you do it. So, sorry everybody on Zoom, now you have to listen to me preach. So, let's start with a word of prayer. I could use that. All right. Father God, we come before you as we open your word. We pray that you would open our hearts, that you would speak to us this morning through your holy word, and that we would leave here changed as a result of meeting you this way through your word. We lay at the foot of your cross the burdens of our hearts, that we might be more free to encounter you here through your word today. We give you our sins and failures and disappointments, and we thank you for the forgiveness, mercy, and grace that are ours in Jesus Christ. And Lord, we lift before you those whom we know and love who are sick or recovering from medical procedures. We just pray your healing mercies over your people. We lift before you those relationships in our own lives that are strained. We pray for peace and reconciliation where it is needed. We lift before you our country and our leaders at every level of government elected and appointed. We pray that you would give them wisdom and discernment in the decisions that are before them. And Lord, we lift up our military, men and women all over the world. We just pray we give you thanks for their service to protect the freedoms we enjoy as Americans. And we pray your protection and blessing over them as they serve. We pray especially for those who are in harm's way and separated from their families as a result of their service. And we just pray you would be with uh, those who are uh, far away and here on the home front with their families as well. We just pray, uh, again, your safe travels and blessings for the Franco family as they will be reunited this week. And we give you thanks for that. We lift before you your church here at Hope and around the world, we think of those churches that we are connected to through our denomination and through our missions giving, and we just pray your blessing over all those works of your spirit. We pray especially for our sister church in Kamahuani, Cuba, and we just pray your continued growth and blessing over your work in that community, and just ask that you would help us to figure out how to better partner with them and be a, more of a part of what you're doing in their midst, and may you bless them and grow them today and throughout the weeks ahead. We just pray your blessing now over this time we have together in your word. We pray these things in Jesus' holy and precious name. Amen. All right. So we come this week to a final installment of a, a series of messages that were all based out of the 13th chapter of the Gospel of Matthew. And we, uh, we're, we planted some wildflower seeds outside here in the hopes that we can, our kids can hunt for Easter eggs in the wildflowers. And then uh, as a result of wanting to do that, we got to talking about this metaphor of like the parable of the sower that's in the first, the beginning portions of Matthew chapter 13. And that sort of led to a, a short sermon series through this chapter of Matthew. And it's really the chapter as a whole is 
set up by the author, by Matthew, to sort of compress many of Jesus' teachings about the subject that was actually most important to him when he was teaching and moving through his time on earth, uh, which is the kingdom of God. And so Matthew chapter 13 is sort of a, a concentration by the author Matthew of Jesus' teachings on the subject of the kingdom of God. And he uses several agricultural metaphors uh, today. This is sort of the end of the chapter, the end of this uh, sweeping segment through Matthew where he's really focused on this one theme. And the metaphors change a little bit in some of the parables that he uses. And you'll see, you'll see what those are and how he's using those to teach us, I hope. And so we're going to be in the final verses, 44 through 58 of Matthew chapter 13. So I invite you to read along with me in your Bible or on the screen behind me or in the printout in your bulletin or however you would like to. And we're just going to read through this final section of the Gospel of Matthew on the topic of the kingdom of God. So Matthew 13, beginning in verse 44. The kingdom of heaven is like treasure hidden in a field, which a man found and covered up. Then in his joy he goes and sells all that he has and buys that field. Again, the kingdom of heaven is like a merchant in search of fine pearls, who on finding one pearl of great value went and sold all that he had and bought it. Again, the kingdom of heaven is like a net that was thrown into the sea and gathered fish of every kind. When it was full, men drew it ashore and sat down and sorted the good into containers, but threw away the bad. So it will be at the end of the age. The angels will come out and separate the evil from the righteous and throw them into the fiery furnace. In that place there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. Have you understood all these things? They said to him, yes. And he said to them, therefore, every scribe who has been trained for the kingdom of heaven is like a master of a house who brings out his treasure, who brings out of his treasure what is new and what is old. And when Jesus had finished these parables, he went away from there and coming to his hometown, he taught them in their synagogue. So they were astonished. And said, where did this man get this wisdom and these mighty works? Is not this the carpenter's son? Is not his mother called Mary? And are not his brothers James, Joseph, and Simon, and Judas? And are not all his sisters with us? Where then did this man get all these things? And they took offense at him. But Jesus said to them, a prophet is not without honor except in his hometown and in his own household. And he did not do many mighty works there because of their unbelief. So, in this series, we've been sort of uh, using this metaphor of sowing our wildflower seeds and then waiting for rain and hoping and praying even. Um, and we've, we've been telling some of the stories of the, of the um, 
the owner of the wild seed farms up in Fredericksburg, and uh, Jen Townsend had gone up there to kind of figure out how we should do this. Like, I don't want to mess this up. What do we need to be prepared for? And she's, you know, asking him all these questions, and she's like, well, should we, should we put out like half the seeds and then wait and see if it rains and then put out the other half? And he's, he's, and we got all these great quotes from this guy, like the seeds aren't going to grow in the bag. Right. And then on another occasion, he looks at her and he says, you're obviously not a farmer. Just get the seeds out in the field. And so today, what we want to look at, at least in part, he says to her at one point, just empty the bag. Like, get out there, empty the bag, get the seeds out of the bag. That's where they do their work. So this idea that every farmer at some point in the, the sowing of their field literally has to go all in. They're, they're completely invested in this risk that they're taking. And it might not be exactly the right week to plow and plant, but you got to get the seeds out of the bags into the ground or nothing's going to happen. And this, this concept that we want to look at today is in these these metaphors that Jesus uses to talk about the kingdom of God. That this is not something we can do kind of halfway or hedge our bets or, you know, say, oh, my, maybe this is too risky or maybe I should wait or it's, it's something we just need to empty the bag. We need to get the seed out of the bag into the field where God can do his work. And this idea of kind of going all in is what I want us to explore first, that God in his word in relation to his kingdom is calling us to literally go all in, to empty the bag and trust him that his process will bear fruit. And so what are these metaphors um, that we're looking at, that Jesus uses to talk about the kingdom of God? What do these mean, this metaphor of the treasure hidden in a field, this metaphor of the pearl of great price, that this man goes and sells everything in order to acquire it? Um, which really seems like a silly thing to do, doesn't it? Um, he, he sees one pearl, and he's going to give up everything just to get that one pearl. And it doesn't tell us what he's going to do with it. It just tells us that he sold everything to get it. So what is it that Jesus is trying to say to us here? And it's this call to go all in. And in so doing, we are to assess the value of the kingdom of God. What is the value to a human soul of being brought into the kingdom of God? How important is that? And these metaphors, these parables are set up to, to present that value, to tell us what that value is. It's worth everything. And so 
what happens when this man buys this field? Uh, he sees a treasure, he covers it back over, goes and sells everything he has to get the money he needs to purchase the field that has the treasure. When that transaction is complete, what, what are we told he experiences? Anyone? Anyone? Bueller? Joy? Um, question. What would you give to have true abiding joy in every moment of life? True, genuine, abiding, overflowing, abundant joy. There's no price, right? That's, that's one of the things that, that sort of escapes the human experience so easily. And Jesus says, my kingdom brings true joy. We are to find true joy in the grace of God. This is the value that Jesus is placing on being brought into his kingdom. We can experience true joy. Um, I can tell you from my own experience that true joy is true. It is abiding. It is eternal. I don't always do a great job of manifesting it in my own heart and life. Like my sin clouds the uh, progress of true joy in my own heart. So Christ has brought me into his kingdom, given me true joy, and I squander it and waste it and go running after other things. But the fact remains, I've been given, we have been given true joy. There's no replacement for this. There's no there's nothing you can go out and buy that will substitute for that joy. And at the same time that we find true joy in his grace, we find true worth in his love. This is a struggle that I think every human being has. And Men ask this question differently than women. Children pursue this answer differently than adults. Well, most adults, some of us are still very childlike in our pursuit of our worth. But each of us, we will pursue our worth differently culturally or socially or economically uh, we are in pursuit as human beings of the question, of answering the question, what is my worth? And Jesus uses this parable of the pearl to tell you what your worth is. That as a, as a part of the kingdom of God, if you find that treasure, you have eternal worth because God has made you the object of his love. Uh, there's a pastor in Chicago who's like wildly popular, crazy big church, but his, his famous saying is simply this, God 
is crazy about you. God is crazy about you. And he's right. That's exactly the way God looks at you. Like the way you might look at a newborn. They get older and you don't look at them that way anymore. But newborns, newborns you look at that way. Um, Jesus is setting up for us this understanding of joy and value and worth in the context of his kingdom. When you come into the kingdom of God, you find joy and worth in the presence of Christ and his role in your life and your redemption. So then Jesus tells this parable of the, of the fishermen and they pull in the net at the end of the age and then the fish are sorted out between the good ones, the edible ones and the non-edible ones and there's some, of, some of them are cast out. And he sets up this contrast that is also part of the truth of the kingdom of God. There's this contrast that Jesus is trying to bring out. I want us to just kind of briefly look at this contrast. Um, We'll start with the attributes of evil. When evil manifests itself in our hearts, it yields the following. Hatred, despair, discord, frustration, cruelty, wickedness, doubt, and violence. And you can just you can keep adding to that list. Just whatever fits the term selfishness, just keep going, right? Um, and Jesus is setting up the contrast of the kingdom. Without God's grace in my heart, this is where I end up. This is me, folks, and it's not pretty. The contrast of the coming of Christ into my own heart, where his love begins to define who I am, the righteousness of Christ in me yields the following. Christ's righteousness brings love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, and gentleness. That's that's it, right? There wasn't room. There wasn't room for the next one. Yeah, there was, I'm just, you know, if you don't know the list, the next one is self-control. I don't like that one, so I just left it off. Actually, if there was room, Lois, I was going to smudge it. I was going to have it, like, smudge. Like, I don't know why, the something wrong with the lens or something, but it, there actually wasn't room on the slide. Um, <laughs> I just thought that would be fun. Self-control is one of the fruits of the Spirit. But there it is. There's the contrast, right? That what Christ can yield in our hearts as the result of what he has done for us is, is this. This is the fruit of his grace, the fruit of his righteousness spent on our behalf. And we can be redefined. The contrast is clear and one of the things that, that always amazes me when I read through the Gospels and the, the, the interactions that Jesus has, the teachings that he sets forward, is he is absolutely unapologetic about the doctrine of hell. He doesn't hold back. He doesn't, um, he doesn't like try to couch it in any terms. He's just like, here it is. This is, I'm talking about life or death. 
good versus evil. It's the contrast is really important. And I don't I don't ever see in Jesus' teaching him using the doctrine of hell to scare people. Like that's not what he's doing. He's trying to help us frame his grace and understand there's there's a stark contrast between my heart without Christ and my heart with Christ. And so we're given this contrast as part of this, um, this calling to go all in. This is why we go all in. It's an all or nothing deal. And God has set it before us in such a way that the contrast is clear. And so we go all in, or we're called to go all in, and we're called to tap into his word. Where does Jesus go after this parable of the fish? He goes to, we'll read it in verse 51. Have you understood all these things? He asks his followers, do you, do you understand what I'm saying? And they say, yes. Yes. I mean, we, uh, we, we heard you. <laughs> Yeah, I don't know how much I don't know how much understanding they have, but they say yes, and he says, "Therefore, every scribe who's been trained for the kingdom of heaven is like a master of a house who brings out of his treasure what is new and what is old." And if I'm if I'm reading this correctly, this is a call to tap into the Word of God, to tap into the to God's Word. To seek understanding, I, I don't think you can fully understand what Jesus is teaching to his disciples without understanding the Bible that his disciples were using, which we call the Old Testament. It's all, it's all one work of the Holy Spirit, this book. But at the time Jesus was teaching, we only had about two-thirds of what we have today. There's what we call the Old Testament, which is what the apostles would have had access to. And then there's the part that's being written literally as Jesus speaks and, and for a few years beyond that. And we call that the New Testament. And if I'm reading what Jesus is saying here correctly, he's saying you need both. You can't really understand one without the other. And your, your calling, if, you, if you're going to go all into this kingdom of God thing, if, you have been, if you, you've been brought in, you might as well just jump in with both feet. You need, to, you need to go into his word. You need to dive in there. You need to seek understanding through God's word of yourself and of his grace. These are the two elements that are brought out in Scripture. And again, the contrast is there. The contrast between what Scripture says about who I am and what Scripture says about who God is. And as we, as we invest ourselves in that process of understanding, we grow, we learn, we gain perspective and understanding. And so... We're to seek understanding through the word, and we're to draw out 
its value in our own hearts and lives. The Old Testament is where God is preparing us to understand the cross, his grace demonstrated to his people on the cross. The Old Testament is a giant literary arrow that says, he is here, (laughs) look here to the cross. This is where grace is found. This is how grace is found. This is where you go all in. You're brought all in. And that Old Testament that prepares us for the cross is supplemented by the New Testament, which defines us or redefines us by the cross. We are not who we think we are. And I, I've told this story before, but I, I remember as a kid, my dad was a big tennis player. And I would go and watch him play like mix, or, uh, doubles with his friends. So there's four men on a tennis court. Uh, and doubles is particularly frustrating because when you mess up, the guy on your team suffers as well. Right? It's not just on you. It's, it, you've, you've, you know, so I'm a kid. I'm watching these these middle-aged men play tennis and the one thing that stood out to me was the way that they talked to themselves when they made mistakes just like brutal brutal stuff like you idiot you know and and it's like no one else on the court thought that man was an idiot for missing a ball Um, in fact two of the guys on the court were elated they were you know, like, that was great. Thank you. Um, but the way that they talked to themselves, I, I, I've never forgotten it. And this wasn't just one tennis match that I watched. This was like a thing, a recurring thing. And I, 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 I now realize, like I do this, you do this. We all have these tapes that play in our heads um, I'm sorry, we all have these uh, YouTube videos that replay in our heads. Um, they don't even know what a tape is, I don't think. Um, so, what's my point? That, that we, the way we look at ourselves needs to be redefined. In Christ, in his righteousness, I'm not an idiot. Um, I may say something or do something today that, that would cause me to think I am, but the truth is I've been redefined by what he did on the cross for me, and you've been redefined by what he did on the cross for you. And so we are to be a people who go all in on the kingdom of God question and who tap into his word to be to, to find understanding, true understanding, and to be redefined in terms of who we truly are. And as we do those things, we are called also to activate our faith. And Jesus, Matthew uses sort of the, the negative example here. He sets up this, like, this is not the way to do it. So we're going to kind of have to look at this one a little bit backwards. But what happens when Jesus goes home is the, the doubt, 
the insecurity, the disbelief or unbelief, these things start to pile up. And Jesus literally says, oh, yeah, a prophet is not welcome in his own town. Um, Maybe this is why I pastor in San Antonio and not in Houston. Yes. Too many people know me over there. Um, But uh, this is a call for us to activate our faith. And this involves having the spiritual ears to hear his voice, to hear the voice of God speaking to you through his word and through his people to gain his wisdom and to believe in his mighty works. It's interesting that the people in Jesus' hometown recognize his wisdom and that God is working through him in mysterious but mighty ways. They, they see it, but they don't believe it. They, they close their spiritual ears to him, to what he's saying, to what he's doing. And Matthew is setting that before us as an example to say, don't be those people. Don't be the people who are too familiar with Jesus to really accept what he's calling them into. And we are to be a people who open our ears, who hear God's voice who gain his wisdom, who believe in his mighty works, and we are to be a people who open the valve that lets God's love flow into our lives. Because if we don't, we will miss it. And that is the tragedy of the, of the story that Matthew ends with here in this chapter. There's all these people who see what he's doing, who hear what he's saying, who acknowledge that it's, it's godly wisdom and action, and they close themselves off. They don't open the valve to allow God's grace to flow. And there is this component here, and this is where I want to just talk briefly about what faith really is. Faith, we are taught in the second chapter of the book of Ephesians by the Apostle Paul. He's talking about the subject of faith. And he says it's a gift from God. That faith is a gift. What what does that gift do? Well, look at it. It's like a pipe. It's like a pipe that connects your heart to heaven. And once, once you make that connection and you open the valve, What's going to flow from the heart of God into your heart? Well, in short, his grace. His grace is going to flow through that pipe, through that faith, into your heart and life. And this is, this is exactly what Jesus is, or what Matthew is setting up in this last interaction that Jesus has in this chapter, where people are there, they see it, they hear it, they understand it to an extent, but they don't open the valve to allow God's grace to flow into their own heart. They're, they're too doubtful, they're too afraid, they're too uncertain about what's going on. And 
we are to be those people who, because of the faith God has plumbed into our hearts, can open that valve and receive his grace, be renewed, be redefined, be uh, spiritually rejuvenated, where we can have joy and discover our worth in God's eyes. Will you pray with me? God, our Father, we marvel at your word, the ways in which you speak to the very depth of our need to be redefined from a state of selfishness and despair into a state of love and joy. And Father, we thank you that true abiding joy is ours in Jesus Christ. Help us to empty the bag, to go all in, to trust that your love is worth it all. Father, we thank you for that gift. We thank you for the blessings that are ours in Jesus Christ. And we just pray that you would help each one of us to live out those blessings in our everyday lives, to be the people who empty the bag, who live out of a state of true joy, who understand our worth in your eyes and our value as being part of your kingdom, who see the contrast and, and repent of the draw toward evil in our own hearts and run towards the light of your love and bear the fruit of your spirit in our lives. Father, that, that we would be the people through whom or to whom your grace flows fully and continually through faith. We thank you for the gift of your son and all that he means to us. We pray your blessing over our hearts as we uh, render ourselves unto you. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.
Good morning. Uh, if I haven't met you yet, I think I met everybody in the room, but if there's someone online who doesn't know me, my name is Mark. I'm one of the elders here uh, at Hope Church, and this is now the time of our service uh, uh, called the offering or the offertory uh, time. And it's a time where we uh, where we reflect on, on the message, uh, on the things that we've been talking about and singing about this morning, and, and just consider how do we uh, offer ourselves uh, in light of what all that God has done for us. Uh, here at Hope, uh, we don't pass an offering plate. Um, financial giving is part of offering uh, of our whole selves, uh, but we consider that to be a private uh, component uh, between you and God. There are many ways to give. Uh, we have a bucket uh, that's physically here in the back of the room, and there are electronic means to give to Hope Church that are in your bulletin and on our website. Um, but when we talk about offering, it means much more than that. It's all, all of us, uh, our ta time, talents, energies, uh, and uh, resources in giving to God's ministry. Um, so when talking about and thinking about the, the message today, there's a lot of things that I uh, my mind kind of went to. Um, Things that got whispered to me uh, as well, that, that happens sometimes. Um, like the story of the 99 sheep and the lost sheep uh, and Jesus leaving the, the 99 to go find the lost one. It just illustrates the great value that we have. Um, and, you know, I, but I wanted to talk a little bit and just mention a, a few things. I think it's very easy to be discouraged today. Just with everything that's going on, there is just so much turmoil uh, relative to what we're used to uh, going in on our in our country. That's with the you know the the election results, uh, the dis you know the discord at the top levels. You know that impacts a lot of things that I'm working with at work because there's a lot of uncertainty about what direction things are uh, going to go, and that creates um, problems. And then there's the virus that's that's happening and and that seems like it's not getting better anytime soon, uh, although there is hope uh, with the vaccines coming. Um, and, uh, you know, and so, you know, this contrast that uh, Pastor Tom talked about, what, what evil yields and what Christ's love and righteousness yields, it's very easy, I think, for those of us, especially as we're going, getting into the holiday seasons and things are just not shaping out the way we would have hoped. It's easy to have despair and just just be discouraged and frustrated with everything that's that's going on. Um, part of your message was tapping into the word, and I'm drawn to a passage that we've come to learn uh, from the Old Testament, where people dealt with a lot of hard stuff. Um, and so, I don't know why, but I was just drawn to the book of Habakkuk. Our our friend Danny. Uh, Byram has written some uh, songs from this book, but Habakkuk was a prophet um, in you know around the time of the exile, and you know imagine what it would be like to be a country where you feel like you're worshiping God, uh, but there's injustice and you know you're in the threat of just being exiled and taken taken away, and he kind of writes about that. That's what the book of Habakkuk is, is talking about. And he complains. He says, O Lord, how long shall I cry for help and you will not hear? Or cry to you violence and you will not save? Why do you make me see 
iniquity and why do you idly look at wrong? Uh, and he just kind of lays it out there. And the Lord uh, answers him, but it comes, he kind of comes to a point. And the reason I bring this out is because it speaks to me and just how do we deal with despair? Um, and how do we, what is the right approach? What do we offer um, in, in light of all that? So the end of the book um, is just a beautiful passage uh, where uh, he says, Though the fig tree should not blossom, nor fruit be on the vines, the produce of the olive fail, and the fields yield no food, the flock be cut off from the fold, and there be no herd in the stalls. Yet, and the reason we can do this is because we know that God will find us if we're the lost sheep, right? God has died for us and he has claimed us. Yet I will rejoice in the Lord. I will take joy in the God of my salvation. God, the Lord, is my strength. He makes my feet like the deer's. He makes me tread on my high places. So, to me, my personal, what I took from today is to just reflect on what God has done and that he's not going to leave us in despair. He's going to take us to a higher place. And that is his promise to us. With that, we can offer that hope to those who are around us as well. So uh, so we're going to take a moment. Um, I think you're going to play a little, a little bit of music. Um, just take some time in prayer. You know, what is God speaking to you today in the midst of all the disappointment? Look for the bright spots. You know, we just made a bunch of, of uh, boxes to send the kids. You know, there's a lot of great things that are going on. Um, so uh, think about what God has, where he has you right now. Um, look past the, the dis you know, the disappointments of what's happening uh, and uh, remember that God is, is here for us. He has called us and he will bring us home to a higher place. Um, so please take a moment to think about that and pray and then I will close us in prayer. Dear Heavenly Father, we uh, we thank you for this place that we um, we find hope, Hope Church, and we thank you for Pastor Tom and uh, the message that he brought to us today, that you brought to us today through him. Um, Lord, in, in the midst of uh, struggles that are happening uh, uh, today in our country and in our lives, that we all, that touches each of us. Uh, help us to just uh, remain firm in the knowledge that you have sought each one of us to be your child and that you have plans uh, to restore us to fullness in you. Help us to be a light into those around us in this world. In Jesus' name, amen. We'd like to invite you to stand with us as we close our worship today in this one last song. 
praise God. As you move through the week ahead, God wants your blessing to go with you from this place into the world outside, to define who you are, how you live, the way you treat others, and the way you see yourself. Hear these words. Let them into your heart to give shape to who you are and how you live. May the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord make his face to shine upon you and be gracious to you. May the Lord turn his face toward you and give you peace. In the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, amen. May you go in his peace. My life, my strength, my joy, my bliss. And I is great.